Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning and they'll do a great job for you as well. Visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com and give them a call. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute and constitutional scholar. We'll be talking about, we'll continue our conversation about gun control and the Second Amendment. Andrew Jopp is a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. He'll be joining us, as well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of several books. His latest, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional, uh, Professor Bell will be joining us as well. It is May the 26th, and on this day in 1927, Henry Ford and his son Edsel drove a f- the 15, 15th million... 15th million Model T Ford out of their factory, making the famous automobile officially uh, on the last day of production on this day in 1927. More than any other vehicle, the relatively affordable and efficient Model T was responsible for accelerating the automobile's introduction into American society during the first quarter of the 20th century. Introduced in October 1908, the Model T, known as the Tin Lizzie, weighed some 1,200 pounds with a 20-horsepower, four-cylinder engine. It got about 13 to 21 miles per gallon of gasoline and could travel up to 45 miles an hour, initially selling for around 850 bucks, which would be about $20,000 in today's dollars. The Model T would later sell for <clears throat> as little as 260 bucks, around $6,000 in today's dollars, for the basic no-extras model. Largely due to the Model T's incredible popularity, the U.S. government made construction new roads one of its top priorities by 1920. By 1926, however, the Lizzie had become outdated in a rapidly expanding market for cheaper cars. While Henry Ford had hoped to keep up production of the Model T while retooling his factories for its replacement, the Model A, lack of demand, uh, forced his hand. On May the 25th, 1927, he made headlines around the world with announcement he would be discontinuing the Model T. As recorded by Douglas Brinkley, The Wheels of the World, his biography of Ford, the legendary car maker delivered a eulogy for his most memorable creation. It had stamina and power. It was the car that ran before there was no good roads uh, to run on. It broke down the barriers of distance in rural sections, brought people of these sections closer together, and placed education within the reach of everyone. After production officially ended the following day, Ford factories shut down in early June, and some 60,000 workers were laid off. The company sold fewer than 500,000 cars in 1927, less than half of Chevrolet's sales. The Model A's release, beginning in the select cities that December, were greeted with throngs of thousands, a tribute to Ford's characteristic ability to make a splash. No car in history, however, had the impact both actual and mythological, of the Model T. Amazing. Just think about that. Starting his business in in 1908, starting production, and ending up with 60,000 employees about a decade and a half later, a couple decades later. It's amazing. Remember the cataclysmic uh, battle in Congress in December 2018 and January 2019, the 35-day partial government shutdown? The fight was between the President Trump, along with congressional Republicans who wanted to fund additional border wall, and congressional Democrats who didn't. President Trump asked for $5.6 billion to be spent on the wall, but Democrats dug in their heels and said that was too much. Many didn't want to spend a dime. In the end, Congress appropriated only $1.375 billion. A few weeks later, Trump declared a national emergency on the border and announced he would redirect his initial $3.8 billion in defense appropriations to building an additional border wall. That move triggered multiple lawsuits from the left, which ultimately failed to stop the money from being redirected. And when the dust settled at the end of 2020, Trump's administration had spent or had begun the process of spending just over $9 billion on approximately 400 miles of border wall. And the president had to fight hyperventilating Democrats in Congress, open borders groups, and courts in the mainstream media every step of the way. Fast forward to the present. 
Last week, President Biden's Department of Health and Human Services redirected, get this, $2 billion from various health uh, programs intended primarily for Americans to be spent instead on health care and transportation costs for illegal alien minors. A leaked briefing in uh, Health and Human Services officials indicated that a total of $8.6 billion in spending would be redirected to the benefit of the illegal aliens by October. This news barely received any mention in the mainstream media. Nothing to see here, of course. Let's put this in perspective. When Trump wanted to spend $9 billion to secure the nation uh, by building additional border wall, his efforts were demonized in the media, and he was made the subject of national debate. When President Biden spends about the same amount of money on the very illegal aliens that his policies uh, have allowed into the country, there's no story here, right? Is that right? If Biden were willing to spend the $9 billion to build another 400 miles of wall, there would be no border crisis. It becomes even more absurd when one considers that additional illegal immigration that will occur as a result of Biden's spending. When word about the free health care and travel courtesy of the American taxpayer reaches the home countries of the illegal aliens, many more will make the journey. That spending will serve as a powerful magnet in the months ahead. When you reward illegal behavior, you're going to get a lot more of it, aren't you? Oh, and one more thing. It's been a long illegal under federal. It's been long illegal under federal law to provide public benefits to illegal aliens. In 1996, Congress passed the Bill Clinton, and Bill Clinton signed a law prohibiting the federal government from giving any federal public benefit to illegal aliens, including any health uh, benefits as well. Uh, But the Biden administration doesn't let the law get in its way, does it? That's become abundantly clear. So sad. Well, I found this in Epic Times when the uh, Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, had banned critical race theory from public schools. His critics on notice that Florida students will learn historical fact, not non-empirical ideology. Government DeSantis critics often claim that his initiative would stop students from learning about racial discrimination in our state's history. At an executive office of the governor press conference, of Christina Pouchard told the uh, Epic Times, they claim is, that claim is false. For illustration, last year, Governor DeSantis signed legislation to include the 1920 uh, Election Day riots in, in required instruction on African-American history in Florida schools. The bill signed into law by DeSantis nearly a year ago directs the Commission of Education's African-American History Task Force to determine which ways the uh, 1920 Election Day riots will be included in the, in the uh, required instruction on African-American history and encourages district school boards to assess naming opportunities for naming schools facilities in recognition of the victims of the uh, Election Day riots. Uh, the massacre, which took place in uh, Florida, Okachee, or is it Oakey, <laughs> Florida, on November 2nd and 3rd, was the, uh, 1920, was the largest election-related massacre resulting in over 50 deaths. The Election Day riots are historical fact, he said, worthy of inclusion in the curriculum. By contrast, critical race theory is an unsubstantiated and non-empirical ideology, the opposite of being factual. Civics education can uh, acknowledge dark moments in our nation's history while rejecting the premise of CRT, or critical race theory. Critical race theory advocates relentless focus on the negative aspects of American society and history, but ignores any positive benefits. Michelle noted that uh, DeSantis has made it clear that teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. The Florida Board of Education guides the implementation of the policy around public K-12 community college and state college education in our state, uh, Pashaw explained. The Department of Education will release more detailed information about plans to ensure that Florida schools are not indoctrinating children with destructive ideas like CRT. Using $106 billion of Florida's uh, portion of the Elementary and Secondary School Emergency Relief Fund provided through the Coronavirus Response and Relief Supplemental Appropriation Act, the Civic Literacy Excellence Initiative is the governor's proposal to make Florida a national leader in civics education. That's just fantastic. The Civic Literacy Excellence Initiative that Governor DeSantis announced in March ensures that Florida's curriculum will be expressly exclude CRT. The new program will reward Florida teachers who complete training and earn the Civic 
Seal of Excellence endorsement with $3,000 bonuses. Florida Civics Curriculum will incorporate foundational concepts with the best materials, DeSantis said, and it will expressly exclude unsanctioned narratives like critical race theory and other unsubstantiated theories. And just for, uh, there was a teacher in Duval County who apparently was teaching uh, critical race theory. Uh, She got fired. (laughs) She's suing, I'm sure, no doubt, but, uh, you know, he means business. I think this is great. Uh, now, one thing concerned, there's concern over textbooks, and uh, we talked about this with uh, Keith Law last week. Uh, we still haven't, we'll find out tomorrow about the resolution of this, but Keith Law is mentioned in the Epic Times uh, article. I'm hopeful we can get the governor to Corcoran to recognize that simply saying they're banning CRT isn't acceptable. Parents are smarter than that, and they're going to see through the, that pretty quickly. It's going to be a major embarrassment to the governor if they continue to proceed down the road with all these schools, districts buying these books. And apparently, critical race theory is wound throughout the texts that have been purchased and uh, for civics education in Florida. Hopefully, they'll put up the money to get rid of these books and, and get new books that, that comply with the uh, governor's order. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Uh, thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and focused on free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government, C 
C-A-T-O.org on the web. Cato.org, terrific organization and a very robust website. So, Bob, uh, we've been talking about through these last several weeks about uh, the Second Amendment and gun control. And uh, let's just start off with this question. What about an assault weapons ban? Well, we had one. There was one in 1994 that expired in 2004. And when it expired, uh, the New York Times uh, reported, and this is a quote from the article, it says, despite dire predictions that the streets would be awash in military-style guns, expiration of the assault weapons ban has not set off a sustained urge in sales or caused any noticeable increase in gun crime. So, you know, there are millions of these so-called assault weapons that are now used by millions of Americans uh, for hunting and self-defense and target shooting and even for Olympic competition. Criminals, they use handguns. The Mm -hmm. AR-15s are expensive, and they're difficult to conceal. And even if we were to reinstitute the assault weapons ban, uh, we'd have to deal with the millions of these guns that are already owned and in circulation. Yeah, interesting. And again, to your point, uh, handguns are typically the weapon of choice for a criminal. So could we get existing guns off the street with a buyback program like Australia implemented? Well, some people think that would work, but, you know, it would be costly for one thing. And I think, logically, ask yourself, who would the sellers of these guns be? They'd be individuals who valued the money more than they value the firearm. Right. So that would include mostly low-income people that live in high-crime areas who obey the law and need a means to defend themselves. And who who would keep the weapons? They would be people who value the firearm more than they value the money. And that would include criminals and terrorists and mentally deranged people who aren't motivated uh, by these financial incentives. So I'm not optimistic about a buyback program. And by the way, it's not clear uh, that it worked in Australia. Twelve years after uh, the program that triggered the ban, uh, the uh, Time magazine reported on a study that said it was a waste of public money and made no difference in the country's uh, gun-related death rates. Yeah. And by the way, there's 450 million <laughs> guns in the United States. That would be a lot of moolah to buy up all those guns. And it seems Absolutely. that the sales of guns are triggered every time that there's discussion about gun control, control anyhow. So Yeah, yeah. We see the ownership going up. Absolutely. So is there nothing that can be done about military-style semi-automatic weapons? Well, I think the, the real question is in style. That, that was the basis for the previous ban. Um, you had to have a semi-automatic weapon with certain military features like a bayonet mount and a pistol grip. The real question is the killing power of the weapon, and that depends on three factors, the size and speed of the bullet, the time between bullets, and the capacity of the magazine. So that's how we ought to identify these weapons that are especially dangerous. Banning popular semi-automatic rifles merely because they have a pistol grip uh, or some other attachment that has no effect on lethality really makes no sense. And by the way, in the Heller case, Justice Scalia wrote that the Second Amendment would pose no barrier to outlawing weapons that are not in common use, and that are especially dangerous. So it's pretty clear that some weapons can be banned. Automatic weapons have essentially been banned since 1934. So I think if we identified those semi-automatic weapons that are not commonly used for lawful purposes and would improve public safety if they were banned, then uh, an assault weapons ban might make some sense. The previous ban went too far. A better crafted, limited version uh, might be warranted. Hmm, interesting. So how about so-called smart guns that are automatically disabled if the shooter isn't the owner? The problem there is uh, several fold. One is technical reliability. The technolog- technology really hasn't been perfected. The second is these are very high cost. And the third is uh, transferability. Um, you know, once you put a restriction like that on a gun that um, smart weapons, you have problems of one person transferring ownership to another. And then finally, there are these 450 million guns that you mentioned that are in circulation already. So I I think an optional feature 
of a smart gun is a is a good idea, yeah. but a mandatory uh, smart gun is not workable. Oh, thank you, Bob. So, so what about the clamor to extend background checks to private sales at gun shows? Two percent, roughly, of the guns used by criminals are bought at uh, gun shows, and and that includes sales through licensed dealers. You know, if a licensed dealer makes a sale at a gun show, it has to go through a background check. Mm-hmm. It's only private sales that are not subject to background checks. And this claim that 40% of gun transfers escape checks is a bogus claim. It was based on a Brady uh, Group study that was even took, took place even before background checks were fully required. And it includes gifts and inheritances, and nobody is demanding background checks on gifts and inheritances. So, you know, if we were to properly limit the data on these studies to sales, about 86% go through federally licensed dealers. All of them are subject to uh, to checks. You know, the, the New York Times <coughs> editorializes that these background checks prevent nearly 2 million gun sales over a 15-year period. And that's a ridiculous uh, assertion. There's no way for the Times or anyone else to know how many buyers couldn't get a gun because of a background check. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's violence-prone, who doesn't pass a background check, they simply go to the black market or they steal a gun. These folks are not having problems getting guns. Yeah, interesting. So there's a thing called NICS. It's the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. Has it worked? Well, there's some interesting numbers for uh, the year that the Heller case was decided. This NICS system denied 79,000 would-be buyers. It prosecuted 105 of them and convicted 43. That's a conviction rate of five one-hundredths of 1%. Hmm. So either the remaining denials were legitimate purchases and they were unjustly blocked by NICS, or if they were proper, then 99.95% of these 79,000 rejected applicants escape punishment. Neither of those conclusions offers a lot of hope for an expanded system of checks. We'd be a whole lot better off to improve uh, the existing system. And the claim that it only takes a few minutes for a check is disingenuous. A significant number of these checks last 72 hours, and that's longer than most gun shows, which are two-day yeah. day events. Now, the, the, the I in NICS stands for instant. So if technology were to facilitate truly speedy background checks, say 24 hours, I personally would have no objection to extending those checks to cover private sales uh, at gun shows. Not, not because I'm convinced they would curb violence, because it would get us past this particular debate and address some other options that might be uh, more effective. Yeah. You know, Bob, it's really refreshing to talk about these issues without politics involved, and uh, I really appreciate your clarification on Second Amendment and gun control. Bob Levy, again, the chairman of the Cato Institute. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G is the website. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. 
enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So we uh, typically start off by talking about things that are going on in our society and what's driving uh, the culture in our society. Uh, you'd like you'd have drawn an analogy or a comparison between Biden and FDR. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm not only going to make that, but that's one that Biden himself and the the, the left has has made the uh, comparison of Biden to FDR. Let me just start out with a few other comments, which is normally what what I will do when I'm when I'm on with you. Uh, the Israeli situation, once again, Israel being attacked by uh, the vast majority of the world, certainly the media. Uh, America is showing a, uh, um, uh, a difficult type of support where they, they praise with one hand and attack with the other. Mm-hmm. Let me break a story on, on your show that, I, I, as, as far as I can tell, has never been discussed before. In 1967, the Israeli 1967 war, um, I was being prepared as a member of the United States military to go into Israel, depending upon how that that war unfolded. I was being uh, primed as part of a communication team that would have been sent in under certain circumstances, which I'm really not familiar what the circumstance would have been to trigger it. But I think it's never been discussed that the United States had considered uh, actively entering into Israel during the 1967 war. So mm. I, I thought that would be an interesting uh, story. It's, uh, as Again, as far as I know, it's never been mentioned before. Bob. That is so interesting indeed. So uh, in other words, there's going to be an active role for the United States. And as I, as I recall, was that the Seven-Day War? Yes, yes. Okay, so... Uh, it and, did- and it just it just ended so quickly, there was no chance to reach fulfillment of that. And and as, and as always, Israel was attacked even during the '67 war with Arab armies uh, massing on their border, with Nasser doing saber rattling, and yet Israel was seen as the aggressor and the uh, and the culprit in this war. So uh, that will be the perpetual reality for the for the uh, the Jewish state, as we might call it. Um, and as Dennis Prager said yesterday, this is not about property; it's not about buildings. This is about religion. This is a uh, a consistent assault on Israel because it is a uh, it is a Jewish state in the middle of a a, a Muslim world. So uh, that doesn't condemn Islam, in, in fact, but it does highlight the nature of most of the antagonisms toward Israel from the Arab world, at least, are are religious, not property based. Bob. Well, and I just like to underscore, uh, quite frankly, I don't think this would have happened uh, had uh, Trump been in office. Uh, clearly, Biden is speaking out of both sides of his mouth when he wants to rebuild uh, Gaza, rebuild uh, the, the Palestinian ter- territory, and uh, creates uh, send money to uh, to Israel. So, 
it's uh, he doesn't acknowledge the fact about the the Abraham Accords. Uh, I, he, you know, the fact of the matter is that Iran has financed a lot of this, and he's trying to build a relationship with Iran. It's you just can't make this stuff up. He's playing a very dangerous game. I mean, certainly I, I, Iran is a serious threat to the stability uh, of the Middle East, certainly a direct, a direct threat to the, uh, the viability of the Israeli state. Right. Uh, so this process, again, it was going in the right direction under Trump. There were peace accords reached with several Arab nations. It looked like it was going to um, perhaps develop, but if not a friendly relationship, at least a more tolerant relationship with Israel. Uh, that seems to be going in just the just the opposite direction right now. I think uh, Hamas will be further emboldened by the response of the world. Uh, Hezbollah stands poised in, in, in Lebanon to uh, to do what it can with perhaps 50 or 60,000 missiles of various sorts that are all are aimed at, uh, at, at Israel. So this is a very dangerous situation for Israel. It always has been since 1948. Uh, but I think it may be reaching a, uh, a peak of a very dangerous potential for the uh, for the Israeli state. Bob. Yeah, uh, let me just underscore again that uh, uh, essentially Trump's Trump's uh, policies was isolate uh, Iran, and uh, Biden is basically trying to cozy up with Iran, and this is the consequence, quite frankly. And, and I have no idea why that would be so vital to the uh, to the Biden administration. It certainly does not serve American interest in any way. Uh, that that situation uh, will lead to a more rapid uh, development of nuclear weapons. Uh, I mean, that was going to happen mm-hmm. uh, under any circumstance, in my estimation. Uh, but I think we're accelerating that process artificially, and uh, I can I fail to see any measurable benefit the United States can extract from that process. Right. Um, it's sort of key, in keeping with this, uh, Secretary of State Blinken just uh, yesterday authorized the flying of uh, Black Lives Matter flags at our embassies uh, all around the world. Um, now, that was to, in fact, uh, apparently, in fact, to honor the uh, the death one year ago uh, to this day, that yesterday, uh, of the death of George Floyd. Now, Black Lives Matter is, is a, a Marxist origin. It is uh, provably anti-nuclear family. Uh, it is provably anti-white. And yet, Banners are flying from the embassies of this nation around the world, yeah. uh, just extolling the virtues of Black Lives Matter. This was accompanied with statements by Blinken describing the, the rampant uh, systemic racism in America and the hatred that dominates our society. So um, these type of comments are reminiscent, uh, as far as I'm concerned, with the, uh, the Barack Obama apology tour when he first came into office. Um, this is just just unacceptable that a secretary of state would be so uh, so viciously, in my estimation, attacking this nation, and I think uh, inappropriately by all is is uh, is his terms of description, Bob. Yeah, you're absolutely. That is an excellent analogy, and uh, again, leading from from the leading from behind is basically what's happening here. You know, I certainly do miss "Make America Great Again." I miss <laughs> I miss I miss President Donald Trump. Well, you say leading from behind. Let me be vulgar. I think he's leading from his behind. So let me. <laughs> hey, so, I, I take that back. I no, no, no you don't. Don't it's, take it back. You're absolutely right. So I'm and, an academic, Bob. I can't say things like that. So, Andy, I want to talk. Uh, we have so much more to talk about. Can you stick around? Uh, I'll be here. Bob. Okay. All right. We're going to have more here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. 
That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you, too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought in part by Choice Social. It's a refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check it out at choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now, we continue the conversation with Professor Andrew Joppa, also author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So uh, you had mentioned an analogy or a comparison between Biden and FDR. What are your thoughts? Well, as I indicated off uh, off air, that uh, this is a comparison that the Democrats are invoking. So this is not something I'm um, I'm introducing to the discussion. The relationship between or the comparison between Biden and FDR, uh, they're making it a very positive comparison. Of course, uh, they're suggesting that the actions of of FDR with big government, and that was the real start of America, American big government, is the answer to America's problems. So um, both uh, Biden and FDR and uh, Essentially, that there is a difference, the one you and I had discussed and you could point out. FDR obviously cared deeply about this country. I totally disagree with how we went about trying to solve the problems of the Depression. I, I don't feel the same way about Biden. But was FDR successful during the 30s in terms of alleviating the, the problems of, of the Depression? Um, actually, by 1938, all problems in America relative to the depression were exactly the same or higher than they were right. when when fdr came into office when he came into to office in 1932 um hours worked was 18 percent below average during the period 1933 to 1939 it was 23 percent below average mm-hmm. consumption during 1933 to 1939 remained 25 percent Below the 1929 mark, investment in night by 1938 remained 60% below 1929, and FDR raised wages and prices well above normal levels, uh, in creating inflationary spirals. And certainly, the people in the industries affected by those artificial wage increases uh, benefited. But again, if we talk about uh, the the artificial increase of wages, um, that that uh, depressed the the creation of employment. So. Uh, at, by the end of the, uh, the 1938 period, the end of essentially or middle of his second, third, third term, uh, essentially the, the problem still existed. If it wasn't for World War II, essentially we probably never would have emerged from the Depression, at least within the actions being taken by, by FDR. So in that regard, I think we can, we can suggest there is a direct relationship between Biden and FDR, uh, both dealing with higher taxes and job creation, FDR failed. I think that can be uh, proven. Uh, and I think Biden, by the same token, will also prove uh, prove to be the, prove is to have the same negative outcome. Bob. Yeah. Uh, big government is the answer to nothing. Quite, It's the answer to misery. <laughs> it's, it's what it is. So, um, Well, I think most people don't realize that if you have enough money or an unlimited amount of money, you can do things that sound very good. The question is always in the long term, what, what are the implications? What are the unintended consequences? consequences right uh so i think yes government can accomplish many things especially when there's a a central bank and it can uh, in, in reality print as much money as it wants the immediate impact of that yes will be beneficial but again as time goes on particularly the inflationary impact of that 
uh, will seriously degrade the entire economic system. Yeah, as Margaret Thatcher said, socialism works fine until you run out of other people's money. <laughs> and that's it's, uh, probably what's going to happen here. So all of this is creating a lot of threats to, uh, to America. C- could you elaborate a little bit? Well, I just... Uh I don't think I've completely released the, the essay I wrote on the, uh, the threats facing America. I, I, as I indicated in that essay, surprisingly, I start out with EMPs. Now, we had talked about, about EMPs last week. Right. Um, I just don't think there's an appreciation for the potential problem. Anytime you have a situation with, with at least nuclear-generated EMPs that can destroy your nation, and the only thing preventing it is the enemy deciding at this point not to do it. Yeah. If we just let me just read a few words from uh, Dr. Peter Pry's book uh, on EMPs. He says no other threat can cause such broad and deep damage to all the critical infrastructures as a nuclear EMP attack. A nuclear EMP attack would collapse the electric grid, blackout and directly damage transportation systems, industry and manufacturing, telecommunication and computers, banking and finance and the infrastructures for food and water with 90% of the American people starving to death within the first year after a a full nuclear EMP attack. Uh, These things can be launched not only from uh, missile-based situations, they can come off of, and this will be missile also, but uh, from ships off the shore of America, they can be brought to upper altitudes by by weather balloons. Uh, This is a dangerous situation. Uh, four nations have, in fact, primed themselves. That's uh, Iran, North Korea, China, and Russia have primed themselves to go to war with the main methodology being described in their literature as the use of nuclear-based EMPs. So this isn't something that's uh, science fiction or right. some radicalized position from the right. This is, is a reality that, that stares us in the face, Bob, and yet, the Congress has failed to take significant action uh, to harden the, uh, the electric grid infrastructure in this country. Yeah. Let me just add uh, another point. Uh, the uh, the uh, extra high-voltage transformers that are needed for this process are manufactured only in China, or at least primarily in China. Uh. They take 18 months to produce, and once they are, are burnt out, uh, the, the chances are good. It will be at least 18 months, a minimum of 18 months, before we can restore the electric grid in this country, Bob. And, and our focus right now is what? The Green New Deal and critical race theory. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we do have these, uh, these uh, faux concerns, these artificially contrived concerns, uh, uh, climate change, global warming, same, same. Uh, and, and yet here we're, we're looking, and this is, this is, I am not a person who worries about these kind of threats. Trust me on that. I think you know me well enough at yep. this point. Uh, but this, the EMP problem is a problem. Uh, and again, I, as I pointed out before, any time you have a problem that is existential, and the only thing preventing that from happening is your enemy's decision to act. That's the only thing standing in the way. I, I think there's some action that is required. Yeah. When you have hundreds of billions of dollars going out in foreign aid, and we can't throw $2 billion in infrastructure funding to harden the, uh, the, uh, the electric grid, uh, there's something seriously wrong going on in this country. Bob. Well, And you know that uh, $2 trillion they're talking about are now maybe a compromise at $1 trillion has nothing to do with uh, girding up the electrical grid. It has other concerns, uh, you know, roads and things. There's certainly a, a lot of infrastructure that we need, airports and so forth. Uh, but it's, it's Green New Deal stuff. You know, it, this is one of these things, Bob, where it can happen as we're on the phone right now. And right. Uh, if it's a nationwide EMP that it hit us, which is possible, uh, we would go blank and we wouldn't even know what happened, nor would we have any way of even establishing what happened. So uh, this is a, a situation that cannot be left any longer uh, in abeyance. It needs to be direct, uh, uh, directly uh, dealt with uh for the security of this country. It is the most serious threat, in my estimation, uh, to this nation's well-being, Bob. Absolutely. And uh, if nothing else, we should be sitting down and talking with the governments that have this capacity right now, uh, getting some sort of an understanding or an agreement or uh, a truce, if you will, uh, about uh, the use of these things. I mean, this, by the way, it's, a, it's not only a threat to us, it's a threat to other countries as well. 
Well, well, there's no doubt. The problem seems to be that the uh, the ball bounces back and forth between government funding for this, uh, industry funding. Uh, they can't decide who has the responsibility, whether uh, the industry says it's the Defense Department. The Defense Department says it should be the, uh, the, the, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission says it, it, it should be the, the, uh, the, the, the corporations involved. And, and so this ball keeps bouncing back and forth, and no one is willing to stop that ball in their court and take action. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, as I write on this, I'm not overly optimistic and we talk about it, uh, perhaps we can generate some public interest at least in this in this problem. It's one of those issues, Bob, that has been kicked around for so long that the average American, even if they're aware of the MPs, they think it's a problem that's of the past. They've been hearing about it for years. Yeah. So it's one of those things that seems to have lost its implication for Americans because of its long-term duration within the American consciousness. Yeah, so well said, Andy. And, of course, and again, I'm back to this, our, we're, we're focusing on the wrong stuff, quite frankly. And uh, the president's responsible for our national security. He needs to be thinking about this. What you're saying is absolutely right. And you just think about the cyber attacks that we've had recently, the the hacking and the uh, the the <laughs> taking out our our uh, oil pipeline for providing us uh, energy for half of the country. My goodness, if you don't, that is a real warning of what can't happen. Well, I, I've read some uh, some conspiracy theories on this that uh, that colonial pipe uh, pipeline <clears throat> uh, cyber seizure was uh, a dry run for for Russia in terms of trying out their uh, their their cyber systems. Um, so that, you know, I'm not suggesting that, that I, I have any inside information on that, but uh, certainly it would not be outside of Russia's historic uh, planning for war with the United States. And also a topic we've discussed, China has uh, since 1999 espoused the construct concept of asymmetric warfare, uh, which uh, certainly would involve uh, uh, high-altitude uh, nuclear-based EMPs, and, of course, the if I was to lead into another conversation, uh, the, the release of uh, bioweapons uh, that would create a pandemic worldwide, destroying the economy of the United States. Yeah. Uh, now, that is something that... But By the way, let me just add to that as long as I'm there, Bob. Uh, the, we've been talking about, you and I, for, for months and months, about the possibility of the Wuhan lab having produced... Uh, the uh, the virus that is COVID-19 that is now being widely accepted by almost anyone, everyone. Uh, but there was another question. The question is, was it intentional or unintentional? That particular question is not being addressed. Uh, I, I'm wondering if eventually, as they got to the uh, the, the identification of the source, the Wuhan laboratories, if they'll eventually get to a discussion of the intent of yeah. that release, Bob. That's a great point. Andy Joppa, again, and Professor Joppa, is the author, by the way, of Josephus of Oz. It's a great read. I hope you check it out. Josephus of Oz by Andrew Joppa. Andy, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk soon, Bob. Thank you, Andy. All right, coming up, uh, Professor Larry Bell. Uh, we're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692 692- 
9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Larry was a big player in the space, pro- in the space program back in the day, and uh, he's also, uh, he's written so many books. Uh, his latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. It's a great read. I've read most of Larry's books, and they are outstanding. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, I always enjoy it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. So you also write your column on point on Newsmax.com, and your latest is More American Moolah for Middle East Ma'am. Maybe you could tell us about it. You know, uh, of course, we witnessed uh, very recently the Hamas attacks on Israel, and uh, you kind of... Yeah, we can't really imagine uh, something happening in our cities where literally thousands, I think there were counted 4,000 missiles were lobbed into population centers in Tel Aviv uh, from the Gaza. And, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty horrifying thing. And, of course, there's been uh, a lot of contention uh, festering for a very long time in that region over uh, over Gaza and over uh, other issues. And, and Israelis uh, retaliated with the Iron Dome, the missiles that were fired back, and had a very high success rate. I think about 90% of the uh, incoming missiles uh, tell me were intercepted and destroyed, but nevertheless, there were people, people died, uh, Tragically, on both sides, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I think the major difference was that the the Israelis, when they retaliated, are going primarily after you know military sites and military leaders. They also bombed a uh, large tunnel, about a sixty mile long tunnel at the border, uh, that was uh, being used by the Hamas to. Uh, Infiltrate to get into Israel, and they they bombed that tunnel system and took out some strategic uh, locations, including some uh, some fil- some facilities. I think there are about thirty one of them that they hit that were uh, building these missiles, and and the missiles that were that were being built uh, to be lobbed, lobbed into uh, Tel Aviv were. Iranian design, mm-hmm. and of course Hamas is also uh, Iran-funded, and uh, as are a lot of other terrorist groups uh, throughout the Middle East. And uh, so we're confronted with a situation now where the about the Biden administration mm-hmm. wants to turn to the so-called Iran nuclear deal, the JCPOA, that uh, Trump. Uh, withdrew the United States from. And the same people are involved, and many of them. Of course, we know John Kerry is, is in the background. He's a climate czar, whatever the heck that is right now, but but uh, others that were also involved with that uh, uh, program are going back to negotiate with, mm-hmm. with, with Iran. And this uh, Iran is constantly making mischief, and Trump had uh, put pretty severe sanctions on Iran, and 
and uh, Biden is listing many of those sanctions. We don't know exactly which ones yet, but you know the the if we look back at uh, the original JCPOA and how the conditions surrounding that were were under the under the former uh, Obama Biden administration. Remember, people may not remember that we payload pack, you know, wooden pallets of money to Iran to release four prisoners and later in sort of that same time frame also the, the, the embarrassing, humiliating saga of, of having Iran capture ten of our soldiers or, 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 or sailors and mm-hmm. uh, releasing them, how we we basically paid ransom money mm-hmm. to get our, our people back, which is, you know, really humiliating. And uh, it's concerning that uh, with the uh, urgency that the Biden, Biden administration has to make nice with Iran and make, you know, restore that, that uh, terrible agreement in, in some form. Plus, plus, how do you go back to something or... Iran has repeatedly uh, uh, reneged on the agreement. They haven't let inspectors into key sites. They've continued to enrich uranium. I think they're recently up to about 60% purity. 90% is weapons quality. We can't, if you restore it, um, basically, how do, you, how do you put the horse back in the barn? They've already, they're already near uh, weapons-grade purity in, in some, with some of their centrifuges. Yeah, and so you can't you can't go back to to, to the agreement, and, and it expires in four years, and the, and the agreement never covered the ballistic you know ICBMs to deliver the missiles our way. So it's just really it's really a terrible deal. Yeah, and um, the question, of course, as I suggest in the title, more American moolah for Mullah mayhem. It's kind of a cute title, but it's not a cute issue because if we go back and uh, basically uh, uh, appease Iran and, and their think what they really want to do is blow up the Abraham Accords that, that Trump had established in the Middle East, which gives Iran some, you know, gives rather Israel some some support among yeah. the Arab countries. Uh, I'd hate to go back there. Absolutely. And the Abraham Accords is going to now create commerce and increase uh, the well-being of the people in all these countries right now. But uh, by cozying up to Iran, of course, this is going to lead to greater financial freedom uh, for Iran, which is going to lead to greater funding for uh, Hamas and other organizations like Hamas, which is going to lead to more threats to Israel just makes you scratch your head and wonder what is Biden up to? What is he thinking? Well, you wonder. You wonder if you know who is Biden. Uh, you, know, you, you know, of course, this is, this conversation has come up many times. But who's, who's really calling the shots? You know, is, is there is there something inside the suit of you know the empty suit of Biden? You know, is he you're hearing about you know so called negotiating with Republicans and they think they have an understanding with them, and only to have this. Biden staff reversed this. Yeah. You know, this this has been on the you know infrastructure funding and everything else. And at the same time, we see uh, a you know a very far left group within the Democrat Party, AOC and the gang, so on and so on, that are attempting to block uh, our support to Israel to give them help them replenish their defensive weapons for missiles for the. Iron Dome, that Iron Dome has been so successful in condemning Iran and so on, and so we, or I'm sorry, uh, condemning uh, uh, Israel, mm-hmm. uh, supporting Hamas, and uh, you know, so it's it's to me very upsetting to see how we have so many people that are actually elected members of our of our Congress. Uh, that are working actively against our strongest ally in the Middle East. Yeah. Professor Larry Bell, again, did doubt professor at the University of Houston. 
more American moolah from Middle East mayhem. It's just a very clarifying conversation about these issues, Professor. Also, I want to uh, highlight what makes humans truly exceptional. It's a great read by uh, Professor Larry Bell. Uh, Larry, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's always a pleasure. Thank, Thank you so much. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. We're going to go visit with Keith Law co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Seat Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, and uh, also uh, Bernadette Labaglia is going to be joining us. She's a great uh, activist and citizen here on the Paradise Coast. We'll visit with uh, Bernadette as well. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>